It will be the Tom and John show in Harrisburg. Inside Story starts right now. everyone it's sunday january 13th 2019 time for inside story time to meet the insiders of the week over here we have george burrell attorney good morning george good morning, matt. jeff jubilera communications executive well, thank you matt good morning <laughs> g terry madonna of the very famous fnm college <laughs> poll thank you and christine flowers attorney and journalist good morning christine. wow that was very sober thank yeah. you good morning <laughs> try to have equal time for all well, let's talk about a governor wolf's second term begins on tuesday with Philadelphia's own The Roots. Yeah, they're going to perform Indeed, the yeah. inauguration. Good stuff there. Now, Wolf, as you know, easily won re-election back in November over Republican firebrand Scott Wagner. It seems like so long ago. <laughs> now, despite the current status of the state legislature, it's actually less Republican, but perhaps more conservative in their views. Uh, I'll go to you, Jeff, here. Do you think that Governor Wolf's lame duck status is going to mean a different Governor Wolf? Is he going to go nuts with some big proposals he may not have had during his first four years? Uh, Governor Wolf and nuts don't tend to go hand in hand together. He's a quiet leader, uh, effective. Um, he can do what he wants. I think he acted in his first term that way, where he, he's not taking, he's not getting paid. Uh, we don't believe he has aspirations for higher office. Um, he's got a pretty strong, I know we're going to talk about Lieutenant Governor, and he's tasked him in, in initially with looking at a possibility of uh, a policy change in the legalization of marijuana, which will be a long, long road if that happens in Pennsylvania, indeed. But um, it is a, the Democrats picked up a number of seats in the House and the Senate. They're not in the majority, but they definitely have more power. And uh, I think he'll have a little bit more sway, but it's going to be rough because, as you said in your intro, the Republicans that are there are even more solid in terms of their, their red. They are more conservative than they were in the last session. Yeah, what, what issues are you guys looking for that might spring up early, say, in the spring around well, the Well, could time? be a minimum wage hike, uh, but let's, let's set the stage here. Every governor in modern history, when they've gotten to a second term, has not been an overwhelming success. Milton Schaap decided he was going to run for the, the presidency. A guy named Tom Ridge never even finished his term. Uh, Governor Casey had uh, a severe health problem. So the second term, we're in, we got heat. Governor gov Corbett didn't get one. That's right. <laughs> governor Wolf has about two years, and then we're in the re next re-election cycle for the governor. But minimum wage, I think uh, it's been seven, what, seven dollars and twenty-five cents. You think the legislature would go for no, that? No, but I think he's going to push it. He's going to push that, and he's asked for a serious and honest look at the legalization of marijuana. I agree with Jeff. The voters in our state in the FNM poll we did for, uh, for you all here indicated majority support, but the conservative Republicans in control of the legislature, as we say in Lancaster County, ain't going to do it. Uh, we're, we're probably yeah. going to see some other education spending. He's going to call for a severance tax. So he's going to have a mix of things. Final point, inaugurations are generally, how do I put this? Don't look for a lot of data. Don't look for a lot of statistics. They're going to be general statements about where he wants to take the state. John Fetterman, new lieutenant governor, replacing Mike Stack, uh, but didn't get along with Tom Wolf, as we know. Some people, through the course of the, the time that we've gotten to know uh, Fetterman, he seems to have this connection that might form one towards the Trump voters. He's got Do you a, see that happening <clears throat> with the administration? Well, he's, you know, first of all, when you have, uh, and you know, Jeff 
made the, the reference to the sort of the sober nature of Governor Wolf. Wolf and Fetterman are like Oscar and Felix. They <laughs> they are like the odd couple in in optics in their in their stylist stylistics. Um, Fetterman is the kind of person in his politics absolutely not. I mean he is he's a Harvard educated. Don't don't be yeah, you know don't be uh, distracted by the tattoos and the bald head mm -hmm. and the you know sure. hell fellow Mel well met kind of uh, attitude because he's a smart smart guy and I bet you he's a policy wonk as well I bet there's a really big brain in, inside of there but um, stylistically he could connect I think with Trump voters who are you know basically uh, meat and potatoes folks and they don't like people who look like they're effete they uh, except hmm. for the whole thing about I think we're going to talk about this later the dress code in Harrisburg he's he's going to have to wear a suit and tie um, which is which not be his, the first time in a long time which is not his I've style there's some big and tall shops in Harrisburg. What are you looking for, George? Well, I, I, it's really for me not about the issues because I think you're going to have deadlock. I mean, you know, we're talking about the next election already. I mean, people are concerned about the White House. Republicans are concerned about losing more seats in the in the General Assembly as we move forward. <clears throat> but I think there's a great opportunity for both Fetterman and the governor because Fetterman obviously now has put himself in position to be a candidate for governor himself sure. four years from now. And so if I were the governor in Fetterman, I'd try to work on you know, go back to the Lyndon Johnson days. What's the great society war on poverty message that you can deliver in a in a state where you're just not going to do much in terms of in terms of substance over the next couple of years? And I do think I disagree a little bit with Jeff. The governor was really aggressive in his first year sure. as governor. I mean, he, he became more yeah. he became more right. subdued. I think he needs to get back to that. I don't think that Governor Wolf is concerned with is as concerned with his legacy as career politicians are. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's kind of been a governor. I think he wants to be a change agent. And I think the two of them together, uh, which could appeal, and the governor himself appeals, obviously, on both ends of the state. Fetterman could potentially appeal yeah. in that middle yeah. part Fetter of the state. Fetter Fetterman is much more, I'll use the word liberal, even though progressive is now <laughs> in vogue, much more progressive than, than, than Gov Governor Wolf is. But here's the point. Lieutenant governors have to get on board with the agenda of the governor. They cannot assert their own right. agenda. That just Do you doesn't see that work. Happening? Uh, yeah, I, I actually think so. It looks like Wolf and Fetterman have a pretty good personal relationship. Uh, the big question is, will John Fetterman put a coat and tie on when he presides over <laughs> the Senate? Which he is said a, it's an arranged marriage. I know, it's which is arranged, a requirement. And he's got a really strong personality, but if, if, as George is saying, he's looking toward the future and, you know, a gubernatorial run for himself, maybe well, it would be in his best interest but to here's hitch his the wagon. Governors who get along with lieutenant governors, give the governors give them something to do. Yeah. By that, I mean they give them a project. Opioid crisis. Energy. Yeah. It could be. You're yeah. exactly he's right. He's done a lot with that in Braddock. You're exactly yeah, right. Statewide. Yeah. Yep. Well, one more thing to wrap up the discussion. Why wouldn't the Democratic nominee in 2020 not consider a governor in a blue-red state, whatever you want to call it, who's won twice? Well, I think you see Senator Casey's name more than you oh, see yeah. a, a Governor Wolf. Yeah, I think oh, Casey's sure. name more more of an, on a national stage uh, with more experience. Um, well, Casey has already said that he is thinking about that he might run for president. I don't think why not a run, he, running mate as, as, as Tom Wolf, as reluctant he, as he I, seems to be. I, I think I could think be Casey. Tom, I think that Tom Wolf would, would be president. a great guy, but I don't think that the governor has no. what you would consider to be a signature accomplishment that catapults him out into the limelight oh, as a potential. Potential. 
doesn't he seem like the kind of person who he's gonna he's like Cincinnatus. He comes in, he does his eight years, he does his job, and then he goes back to being a businessman. Or he goes off to that island. Goes back to retirement. <laughs> he goes back to retirement. He's my age. I think it's gonna be very difficult and when I work getting into this is is to have two uh, a presidential candidate, we don't know who that will be yet, and a vice presidential candidate that are both Frankly, white males. It's, sure. I don't see it in the Democrats. Yes. I don't see it happening. All right, let's talk about what's going on here in Philadelphia, and we've been covering this here on Inside Story. Relief for some homeowners in Philadelphia, and maybe some horror for others. Mayor Kenny has declared a moratorium on new property tax assessments. City Hall wants to reorganize the Office of Property Assessment and implement a new computer system for assessments. Now, this is good for those homeowners who were anticipating seeing a higher assessment and therefore higher property taxes. But for those who believe their assessment is too high, they may have to wait perhaps years for relief. George, how big of an issue is this in Philadelphia right now? Well, I, I think it's one. I think it's another one of those embarrassments we don't really need to have. Uh, and two, it's a huge issue. They've been working on this computer system now for, what, a decade? Oh. I mean, and, and, and they've spent a lot of money and haven't got it figured out yet. Uh, but more importantly to me, this is, this is the kind of issue that you would think that a Democratic mayor and a Democratic president of city council would get in a room and say, we've got to solve this problem, exactly right. as opposed to throwing arrows at one another and, and punishing the people of the city of Philadelphia with a solution, as you've indicated, probably could, still could be years away where people are paying unfair taxes. Nobody's going to give them that money back right. down the road. And, and it's just... It's just, you know, malfunction that, that shouldn't happen. I understand that the mayor is running for re-election, so it's hard to, it's hard to, and he's going to be challenged this year, so it's going to be hard to acknowledge the problem. But, there, but it's a very real problem. There is no solution to it at the moment, and this is like saying we're going to do this. It's like saying we're going to do another study as, right. as opposed to we're yeah, going to fix the problem. Blue Ribbon Commission. Right. Come on consultant in. to the consultant. <laughs> Assistant to the traveling what secretary. What do you have to consult? What were you going to say, Jeff? Seinfeld. No, you blew me with the Seinfeld reference. But, the, but you did. You literally have a consultant over that the mayor's team administration hired to look at city council study, which was done by a consultant. Yeah. Um, but it's, we joke about it, but George is... is, is one hundred and ten percent right, and I guess no recourse for those who have been overassessed. And you're an attorney. I, 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 that just blows me away. This could be the deciding factor when someone wants to move into the city and not really having an idea four or five years out. They what did the say that the appeals that are in process right now won't won't be suspended. So if you've already if you've started the appeal process, that will be resolved at yeah. some point. And you have to remember that property tax is the single most hated tax yeah. of all the taxes that folks pay, and it one that's often decisive in terms of, of the purchase of a home, of home of whether you can sure. make, you can own a home, whether you can maintain your ownership of a home. That's how important the property tax situation is. And I think from a legal perspective, you know, you, you won't know whether there's going to be recourse until it kind of gets to the end of the road okay. and you can start calculating right. what the damages are. And then you could have all kinds of litigation. 35% of homes, single-family homes, oh, over-assessed. Uncertainty as well with the federal government. We know that Friday came and went. No paychecks <laughs> for federal government workers, 800,000 of them. A lot of them work around here. Many of them held a rally at Liberty Bell Pavilion this week. The protests shut down, talk about how they can't pay their mortgages if they don't get paid. Bucks County Republican Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick is foregoing his pay during the shutdown. He's joined by other lawmakers around here like Dwight Evans, Mary Gay Scanlon, Chrissy Houlihan. This comes up every time we have a shutdown. It seems like it's one, you know, every five or ten years or so. 
Why are the workers not being paid when the people who cause a shutdown, whether it's the White House or Congress, still get their paychecks? First of all, I like what Fitzpatrick is doing. He's not just foregoing his pay for a specific period of time and then getting reimbursed later on. He is going to cut a check to the federal government. He will not take this money. Um, we don't know about you know what Scanlon and Houlihan are, are going to be doing, but good for them, at least for the optics of saying, don't pay me because we're part of the problem. We're causing this problem for all of these federal workers. I'd like to see a fund set up with uh, congressional monies, with all the Congress people yeah. saying, I'm not going to take my money right now, and I'm going to put it into a pool for all of the people who aren't getting right. paid right now. The guy's making $25,000 a year. Um, who, we're up who, to, I'm sorry, we're yeah. up to seven lawmakers in our state who have now said they won't take a pay out. Where I live in South Central Pennsylvania, we have Scott Perry from York and uh, Lloyd Smucker from Lancaster, who both have indicated they're Republicans in pretty safe districts. So I don't think the question now is a matter of can you win re-election or not. It's like benevolence almost, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But, I, but you know, I think these folks, unfortunately, are all a product, I and mean, it always, always comes back to Donald Trump, but are a product of the fact, as we look at the reason why they're there because of this fight over the wall and all that other stuff, is that Donald Trump hasn't figured out yet, like Bloomberg did in New York, that running a government is not like running a business. He is trying to run the government like he ran his business. And most business people always say, you know, governments should run more like businesses, but they don't because there are checks and balances and too many folks that get their hands on the solution. And Trump has not the, the office has not moderated him at all. He is oh, still he the same like guy that started. running the state. Okay. Okay. But the Harris, in Harrisburg, they should do that, too, when yeah. they can't pass a budget in time. Which yeah. is more likely, Jeff? A, a bill that becomes law forbidding pay for lawmakers during shutdowns <laughs> or term limits. <laughs> term limits. It's all about the money, pay, right? right? Yeah, it's all, but it's, it's they, the adults in the room. We put major quotation marks around that. They, they, it's, it's ridiculous. And Trump has backed himself into a corner. Yeah. I mean, he's appealing to this narrow, deep, but narrow base. And now it's become, uh, I want my ball and I'm going to take it home too. And it is a little, you know, and, and just absolutely right. It's all about the wall now. So as you can see, I he's maneuvering wall. with a fence, a, you know, still <laughs> yes. flats, uh, a beaded curtain, as right. Nancy Pelosi said. Um, there, you know, there, uh, the National Emergencies Act of 1976 sort of gives him this little avenue, this open door to have his cake, have his, you know, wall and scale it too. Because if he does announce a national emergency, which will be challenged in, in court, the courts. Court At the very yeah. least, the government opens up, and he's mm -hmm. able to say, well, you know, look, the government opened up. I did this. Uh, the Democrats, I'm wondering if maybe they wouldn't like that. They are able to point their finger at the president and saying, look, he's manipulating the 1976 Act, but the government is opening up and people are getting their yeah. checks. You have to Discussion continues after the break. Sorry to interrupt. We'll be right back. Tennessee's Inside Story is presented by Temple University. Ready to go? Round two here, right? Joe might not say no. Delaware's favorite son, former Vice President <laughs> Joe Biden, has indicated he will decide within the next few weeks or so on whether he will run for president. There are indications that he, he might. As he decides, some of the Democratic Party wonder if his legislative history might not fit in with the party's current image, current makeup. He helped pass the 1994 crime bill, which some say right. led to mass incarceration. That was during the Clinton years. His questioning of Anita Hill during the Clarence Thomas yeah. hearings. The fact that his two previous presidential campaigns, 1998, 2007, yeah. went nowhere. Has Biden's party moved to the left of Biden? 
too far? Yeah, I don't think there's any question that the party, he's not exactly where the party is. But I think his biggest challenge is that he has not shown the ability on the national stage to be an effective candidate for president. I mean, his message, in a, you get in a room with him, he's an energizing guy, he's a smart guy, he's an informative guy, you, 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 you come away with respect for him, but he has not been able to communicate that image to the American public. Why do you think that is, George? Uh, it's, it's a thing for lots of people. I don't know. Some people just don't have that public charisma that allows people to connect with them. And I think it's also, he, he's created a little bit of an image of a, as smart as he is, is a wisecracker. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's, he's almost always, always comic, and I think people sometimes have a problem taking him seriously and being as smart and as, and as, a, and as, as knowledgeable as he has been. Sure. Well, there are two aspects of this. Number one, the Democratic Party is going through a pretty substantial change. Is it time for a new generation? The Democrats are going to go have a, a generational debate. Whether somebody in their mid-70s, for example, is ready for the presidency or whether it should be one of the more younger members. So we've got the generational. Okay. The other issue, which George mentioned, and I'll put it another way, the progressive wing of the Democratic Party is going to take the party over. As Democrats, for the first time in history, more Democrats now describe themselves as liberal than any other ideological component. So you're going to have the progressive wing of the party going against what I'll call the center-left Democrats. That's Joe Biden. You got into the details of it. So we're going to ha- the Democrats are going to have that big debate. Joe Biden, by by far leads the national polls, but he's the best known. Most of these sure. other candidates are not well known, and you got to go through that laborious mm-hmm. process that begins in Iowa and New Hampshire and runs through, yeah. it seems like, 3,000 states before the process sure. is well, that over. That was depressing, Terry. Thank yeah. you so yeah. much yeah. for that. Thoughts, Christine? Go ahead, Christine. As far as Joe Biden is concerned, I. I love the guy. I, I disagree with him on a lot of policy points, but I think um, that he he is an antidote to the kind of sniping, backbiting, and, and hostility that I think are on, on both sides. There are people that I know who are strong conservatives who love Joe Biden because they think that he's an honest broker, the real dealer. I do agree with George. I do think that he has a little bit of the wiseacre about him. Um, and it, 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 that, but, I, but I think that's... A, that, that's that may be off-putting for some people, but I do think that Joe Biden, we would be very fortunate to have a President Joe Biden. Yes, I did say that, because <laughs> the alternative are millennials, as you are talking about. The alternative is dancing uh, Alexandria, and no, I do not want that. Oh, this, Jeff, some people say when Chris Christie turned down running for president that first time, he missed his chance, and clearly I think that's the story now. Sure. Did Joe Biden miss his chance back in 2016. He very well may have. And I think Joe Biden, while his history did not bode well in terms of his his prior runs for president, would do better as a general election candidate, I think, because he would appeal to Christine and other more traditionally conservative and and Republicans. And uh, but he's going to have trouble in the primary. Now, if the primary is diluted with the Beto O'Rourke and the Kamala Harris and the Cory Bookers that split the vote and they stay in, that that leaves a path for Biden. But if it's a Beto O'Rourke or one of them against a Biden, I think he's going to so have a the, difficult time. So the wider time. the field, the better for Biden. Absolutely. But, the, but it's interesting. I keep thinking, and, and all of you, I think, will agree. And Terry is the, 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 the schism is so big between the two parties that 
isn't there a time for a third party well, yeah. to yeah, come in? There's great. such a gaping hole for a John Kasich yeah. or a John Hickenlooper to come in, but there's no apparatus for them to win. Is Ross Perot still There's no alive? third party. There's, there's just, no third party. I mean, what's really the, weird is where's Ross Perot? I don't right, mean, just said that. I mean, yeah. I don't mean the yeah, ideological directly, divide between the Republicans and Democrats. Bloomberg. Yeah. And I hate to be discriminatory, but I, I, I do think. <laughs> <Be> it. Uh, <laughs> but I do think another factor, despite Trump, I, th I do think another factor is going to be age. I, I mean, you know, when, when you look, when you that look at, when, when yeah. you when you look at it, I mean, he's in great health. He's yeah. in, you know, all that stuff. But he is seventy-eight years old, and I think that that that's going to be. And I a agree, factor. age age might be a negative, but youth should not be a positive right. in and of itself. Well, none of the other people are young. Kamala yeah, Harris is sixty-nine. Yeah. I mean, sixty-seven. Or I'm not. Kamala Harris, really? She's in her late fifties. No. She she's in her late 50s. Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren. I mean, so not, well, yeah. there are not a lot of kids running. Cory Booker's probably the youngest. We've got about 40 seconds. Kevin Hart, not oh. doing the Oscars. They might not even have a host. And aside from the remarks that he said in the past, which were, were pretty horrible, is have we gotten to the point where we can't have anyone host these things because no one is a perfect clean slate <laughs> nobody's perfect but I, what he's doing he keeps going on different shows he made an apology right. and what he what he tweeted was terribly wrong but why keep going on once you apologize i think we're all infallible we're all not we right. make mistakes. We apologize. You, nobody's perfect, and it has become where you can't do anything. Well, he's gotten to the point where he said, "I'm not apologizing anymore." He's apologizing because people For keep saying it's not enough. It's, it's not, not enough. enough. He yeah. needs to, you know, put him in the stocks. Yeah. Now, we see this at the Super Bowl halftime show. They can't find anyone to do that because of all the politics surrounding the NFL as well. And advertising on the Super Bowl. If your product supports this, and then have yeah, some music. Right. Have some music <laughs> at the halftime. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna play some right now. <laughs> <laughs> Six ABC's Inside Story is presented by Temple University. Inside Stories of the Week, we start with George. I would take a moment to congratulate Congressman Dwight Evans, who has found his way onto the Ways and Means Committee mm -hmm. uh, after only two years in the Congress. A pretty extraordinary story. And also Lisa Blunt Rochester from Delaware, who has found her way onto the Energy and Commerce Committee. So the region is gaining more more influence in Washington where the Democrats control the House. Thanks, George. Jeff? 2019 will not be a sleepy year in the city of Philadelphia. We have all the city council races up. We are talking about upwards of 100 people maybe running for at-large seats in the Democratic primary, which is really in Philadelphia the general election. 2017, the number one age cohort in terms of voting turnout was 18 to 34-year-olds. Progressives, more liberal side of the Democratic Party, they're doing well. They, they help with Reinhardt and they help with Krasner. Watch out. There's going to be some new faces, I think, in, uh, in city council. Thanks, Jeff. Terry? I have two. On a serious note, I think the Democrats are going to push gun control in the state, assault weapon ban, univer extend universal background checks, bump stocks. I don't know that they're going to get anywhere in the Republican-controlled legislature, but I think it's going to be a big move by the Wolf administration. On a lighter note, we didn't talk about the food at the inauguration mm -hmm. event. Pennsylvania-based foods. How about Amish pretzels? I have no clue what they are. <laughs> and lastly, I had to write this down. Strawberry eclair cake. Yummy.
Thank you, Terry. Christine. Matt, we had a very tragic case of a young woman, 15-year-old, who uh, left her, stra strangled her newborn child and left her in a dumpster. Um, I want to remind everybody about the Newborn Protection Act of 2003. It's a safe haven law. If your child is under the age of 28 days, you can leave him or her safely at a hospital or at a police station with no criminal charges. Good reminder. All right, Eagle Saints, this afternoon, 440. 24-21 Eagles, my prediction. You guys go with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Not. Okay. <laughs>